the $250 threshold for certain course fees will be abolished in the future. But other than that, we're stuck with the existing rules which determine your deduction based on how close the course fees are to, to income. And this recent case of Khan demonstrates that a pretty strict approach can be taken with these things. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 294 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. In December 2020, Treasury issued a discussion paper labelled Education and Training Expense Deductions for Individuals. So in light of this discussion paper, let's have a closer look at work-related self-education expenses, D4, in the individual tax return. Andrew Henshaw will walk you through the rules as they currently stand, look at three court cases around self-education expenses, the changes to the $250 threshold, and also look at Treasury's discussion paper. So today we're talking about whether or not self-education expenses are deductible. What we'll be talking about is where you have an individual who has incurred a cost, some sort of education course, and the question is, what can they deduct that? Can they claim a deduction against their other uh, assessable income for the year in which they incur that expense? Or is it unable to be claimed? So we're not talking today about uh, FBT, for example, so whether an employer pays those expenses and whether it's a, um, a fringe benefit or not. We're solely talking about whether or not if an employee or an individual incurs a cost for some sort of education course, can it be claimed as a deduction? So the starting point with with all sort of deduction questions is is Section 8-1 of the Income Tax Assessment Act. It's always good to go back to and start with the legislation and then consider relevant cases, ATO views, and, and other material. But it's always best to start with the words of the legislation. So to recap, Section 8.1 allows you to deduct a loss or outgoing from your assessable income based on two different limbs. One is related to carrying on a business, which will not be relevant generally with uh, an individual claiming self-education expenses. And the one that is relevant is whether or not the expense is incurred in gaining or producing your assessable income. So in other words, subject to the some exclusions, if we've got a an education course that is incurred in gaining or producing an individual's assessable income, then it will be deductible. And it's the second limb we will really focus on today, isn't it? So any expenses incurred in running your business, including self-education, is not really so much the topic today. It's really more the uh, second limb about gaining and producing accessible income because that is then when you do it as an employee and there the rules are a lot more stringent, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So the, the, the other limb regarding expenses incurred in carrying on a business um, is more applicable to well situations where someone is carrying on a business and, and generally allows for a bit of a, a More flexible approach to what is the connection between the expense and 
income, whereas the other limb is it has to be incurred in gaining or producing your accessible income. Even if it's incurred to uh, to explore other business opportunities, etc., it would still be deductibly correct because the net is just so much wider for business expenses. Yeah, if you could, uh, the scenario I could imagine is if you had, um, uh, let's say, a plumber running as a sole trader and um, they wanted to expand their business into some other related field that's not strictly what's producing accessible income right now and they incurred some costs to to be skilled up in that for example perhaps that could fall into that necessarily incurred in carrying on a business a plumber who's doing a course to be able to issue waterproofing certificates that's not necessarily the area of a plumber but makes sense he could tax deduct that that course because while it's not for his current business it's for a future business it's still in the course of a business correct yeah i think so we've got the the normal negatives to the deduction provision as well which we can't deduct things that are um, loss or outgoings of capital or of a capital nature or things that are of a private or domestic nature and, and and a few other exclusions but those two are the main ones being if it's capital or is it private or domestic nature. What's the ATO's views on, on how to apply all this? Um, the ATO's views are in mainly in taxation ruling TR 98-9, which is quite a, a lengthy ruling, which explains the ATO's views and, and references the relevant cases in the area on whether or not a uh, education expense is deductible. I see. So in the actual ITAA, we actually just have Section 8 and nothing else. So the actual tax law doesn't expand on self-education expenses. And so then we just basically have that TR. Yeah, the only other bit of legislation that has relevance is Section 82A of the 36 Act, which is the provision regarding the $250 threshold. Oh, I see. So that does come through. The But otherwise, it's, it's just... Education expenses is just an um, uh, an application of the general deduction provision. So it's not specific rules applying to education expenses. It's it's the general rules. So the first point, starting on the more positive, is is the ATO refer to case law, and they confirm that education expenses are not of a capital nature. Now could think in some way that, well, really, if I have an education expense, it kind of is a once-off sort of improvement. I know it seems a little bit strange to think about it this way, but it's, you know, if you think about your brain as a, as a factory and it's, um, you know, building a new division on that, sort of is a capital expense in some way. Um, yeah, like buying a machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess it depends how you how you see your you know brain and psychology as opposed to physical assets. But fortunately, both the ATO and, and case law in the area, and it's a high court case from the 1960s, that that confirm that it's um, it's not of a capital nature. So expenses to improve knowledge and skills are not of a capital nature. They specifically <laughs> rejected that argument that it's analogous to a to a to a factory. Yep. So we don't have any questions generally on whether or not. It's of a capital nature or not, which is a whole you know complex area on its own. So it's thankful we can tick that off and, and, and not worry about that. We, we generally don't need to worry too much about the private or domestic nature part of things as well. Generally, you can deduct not only the direct, I suppose the direct costs being 
tuition fees and course fees. But it can be things like airfares to go on overseas study tours or uh, work-related conferences or seminars, uh, even accommodation as well. So those things that are, you know, there may be other purposes behind that. I've seen previously people promoting uh, education conferences in places like Aspen or Rome for for, for Australian um, uh, professionals. Yeah, I think that question of whether it's private is a very big question with self-education expenses, exactly because it's a whole industry to provide those conferences in holiday locations so that you can tax deduct the uh, skiing trip. So how do you prove that something is for self-education and not mainly private? Like, let's take the skiing trip to Aspen. Yeah, well, the, the ATO in their ruling acknowledge that the intention or purpose in incurring the expense is can be relevant in determining whether whether or not it's allowable or not. They give a few examples of these sort of overseas trip scenarios. And to summarize what the ATO say is if there's a, a little bit that's incidental to to sort of an overseas conference, then that's going to be okay because it's 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 just ancillary. The specific example that they give is they they give an example of a, a qualified architect who goes to Hawaii for an eight-day conference on uh, trends in modern architecture, and one of the day of one day of the conference involves a sightseeing tour and and there's a game of golf. So um, so eight days and you know, maximum of, of one day of that is arguably not sort of work-related. Now, they say that the entire cost of that would be deductible because the main purpose is to go to the conference, essentially. You Nobody knows whether the person was actually in the presentation. You know, the presentation might just be in a tiny room and just be a pure context and everybody's out on the slopes or out on the beach. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's always going to be difficult. There, there, there's another example, which has an example of a of, of a pediatrician who goes to um, Singapore for five days for an international conference and then goes to Thailand for seven days for a holiday. Um, basically, the costs for going to Singapore are deductible, the costs for going to Thailand are not, and then the return airfare has to be apportioned between the two um, uh, di different purposes. Um, but it's all well and good to state that, you know, they were there for a five-day conference, but if they you know, weren't actually attending it, That's that, that's a difficult one, and, and I guess that would come down to substantiation, uh, attendance records, and mm. things like that. If the ATO really wanted to look into it, I can imagine these trips are probably quite safe to put through as work-related self-education expenses, because it's very difficult to argue otherwise that you weren't there. Yeah, and it all goes back to a to a high court case in the '60s called Finn. It was a senior government architect who went on an overseas tour devoted to the study of architecture and that was deductible the, the all the costs involved with that were were deductible they had a nice trip to museums perhaps <laughs> um, things things of that nature but um, the court said it was entirely deductible um, given their their profession so assuming we can get through that it's not private or domestic and the courts say that it's not capital or of capital nature and ultimately boils boils down to Is this incurred in, in gaining or producing an individual's accessible income? The answer to that question is in some circumstances, 
it will be. And unfortunately, in other circumstances, it, it, it will not be um, incurred in gaining or producing accessible income. And that really depends on the link and the, the, the directness and the closeness of the link between the course and the income that's currently being generated, not that may be generated in the future. So in this case, the example I used before of the plumber who does a course to become a waterproofer would not qualify if he was an employee because it's not to generate current income, it's to generate future income. But then, of course, it's also a question of how you define current current income. You know, does current income include other building income? Or not. So what the ruling and what the case law says is that it will be deductible if the taxpayer's income earning activities based on the exercise of some skill or some specific knowledge and that education allows the taxpayer to either maintain or improve their skill or knowledge. So if they're a lawyer and they're doing some um, legal training updates on some cases, that would be deductible. Same with the plumber, a course regarding plumbing, that would be deductible. But of course, it's a very grey line. How far can you venture away from your current work and does it still count as your current work? You know, because of course, work practices change. So is it still kind of part of your current work practice or is it something different? You know, I can imagine it's very, it's just a grey line and you just kind of have to make an educated guess. Yeah, well, I guess it involves an assessment of what are this the person's current skills or current knowledge, and is it is it improving or maintaining those skills or current knowledge, or is it some new skill? And, and yeah, that can be a very um, a, a very grey question on 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 that. The the ATO give an example of uh, an individual who's a trainee accountant that's studying commerce part time at university, and they say that that course is too general to the taxpayer's current income earning activities. They say, well, you're, you're, you're improving some skills, but it is too general to your, your, your current activities and therefore uh, not deductible for, for that reason. Unless the person's already in that field, then it would often be too general. I, I could think of some examples where it might not be, it might be specific enough, but um, in a lot of cases, yeah, it will be it will be too general. The the, the second gateway to, to have a deduction is if the expense leads to or is likely to lead to an increase in the taxpayer's income from their current income earning activities. So, for example, if I'm a tax lawyer and uh, I want to do something that's going to, you know, make me better at doing that then that would be that could lead to or be likely to lead to uh, an increase in income from current income earning activities but that could then cover all university courses so if you work if you work part time already in the industry that you study for then you could deduct that then yeah and there's a case which is referred to called hatchet where it was expenses incurred by a primary school teacher And those expenses allowed Mr. Hatchett to move to another pay scale um, by being having that qualification and therefore earn uh, more money in the future. So that that was allowed as a deduction. So even though 
And was it a university course she did or was it a... It was a thesis to a, for a teacher's higher certificate. So I, I think it was, a, yeah, it was a university course. So, so to summarize those points, if it's for maintaining or improving an existing skill that generates income or leads to or is likely to lead to an increase in income from current activities, those things can be deductible. In contrast, if the education expense is designed to get employment, obtain new employment, or open up some other income earning activity, it is not deductible. The ATO's view in the, the ruling is that it's not deductible, which is somewhat supported by the cases. Yes. Yeah, so career change is not tax deductible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's a clear, uh, for example, if the person's not generating income, they're not working at all at the moment. And um, yeah, the university course, for example, it's it's there, there's no clear link to, to income, even though sort of in a more layman sense, well, yeah, it's obviously going to lead to income in the future. Um, it's not a direct or enough link uh, in the here and now. Also, if you've got persons who are changing roles within an organization that can also not be deductible so there's an example from oh it's a board of tax case from the early 90s where there was a public service clerk who was studying a law degree and then subsequently obtained a legal officer position in in the public service the tribunal held that that expense was not deductible because it was incurred too soon. So it was before they became a legal officer within the public service. So it was really uh, an internal sort of career change or career progression rather than a existing role and, and improving on your existing role. To take an extreme example, if you had a, a lawyer who practiced in one area who wanted to diversify into... Um, some other area, let's say family law, based on that principle, it would arguably not be deductible because um, that the nexus may not be there, for example. Th that's really where the, I guess, this sort of unfairness can come into these rules a little bit. On one hand, we can have these, you know, overseas conferences to, to nice locations and accommodation and airfares deductible or at least partially deductible but then on the other hand we've got people who um, either are not employed or not employed in the industry they want to be in or doing something to enhance their career but it's not a direct enough link and they can't claim their tuition fees bit of a disparity between the two yeah i agree there is a disparity if you're a high-flying dentist and you fly the whole family to aspen get more tax deductions than if you're struggling Labor who's looking for um, who's unemployed and is looking for new employment. But I guess those people, the the, la the laborer, wouldn't be paying much tax anyway. Well, that's so the other thing as well. Matter. What's the benefit of the tax deduction? If if you're on a very low income, then there's there's then if you're below the tax free threshold, then there's no benefit of the tax deduction. Um, and if you're on a higher income, then there's a, there's a there's a greater benefit. I, I think the real complexity comes from those cases where someone's changing their role it, it can be quite clear albeit maybe not equitable that if you're doing a distinct career change that the costs are not deductible but 
I think where the grey comes in is is what we've sort of already flagged that if it's a sort of a partial change in role or it's developing some new skills to open up some other income earning activity, then then the cases seem to suggest that those those are not deductible. So to just summarise again that grey area. If it's a skill or specific knowledge that you already have and it, it enables you to either improve or maintain that, that skill, then that's deductible. Yeah, improve current skill or knowledge. Yep, that, that generates income. Or if the expenditure leads to or is likely to lead to an increase in income from the current income earning activities. Yes. It's hard to see the difference between these in some sense, but But the increase in income, that is a wide gate. And and then of course it just means that the uh, timeline between gaining this knowledge and increasing your income needs to be relatively short. Yes, yeah, correct. There can't be there can't be too much of a it can't be too general or uh, not specific enough to current role. And then we've got the category of things where it's to get employment, obtain new employment, or open up some other activity, um, sort of a retraining type type cost. Yes, and those retraining type costs are not deductible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those are the categories. And sometimes I guess the, the real challenge is where do you fall between those, particularly in the more grey situations. The ATO won't come knocking because you claimed $25 for a book. It will be when you claim a lot of course fees and travel, probably especially when there's travel involved and airfares, then there will probably be more questions asked. And one interesting point is is with course fees and university fees, for example, while Commonwealth-supported places, so CSPs back in the days known as HEX places, costs for those are not deductible, but some of the other government-supported programs actually are deductible. So the, the most clear one is, is for fee help, for example. So... This fee help is where you have a, a, a non-Commonwealth supported place, a full fee spot, but you don't fork over the money directly to the institution. The government pays it for you and then you got to pay back the government. Based on the principles of when something is incurred, let's say the fees are, let's say $50,000, but you might pay that back over 10 years. But based on the principles of when a loss or outgoing is incurred is when it's deductible, then it was actually deductible up front, even though um, the person hasn't actually paid any of the money until later on. So it can be an interesting scenario where you could actually sometimes get a very large deduction, but not have to actually pay the fees in substance for some years down the track. But aren't those work-related expenses or deductions usually based on cash? No, well, so so, so for fee help ones, it, it, it's based on when the loss or outgoing is incurred, and that's based on when you're definitively committed to the liability. So, in mm. other words, once you owe it, that's it. You you can deduct it potentially at that point. But that's a huge thing. Because very often while you're at uni, you don't have very high income. And then when you actually start paying it back, you could deduct it, but you can't because of because you already were meant to deduct it early on. Yep. And it, it, this is specifically, so it could work in your favor or against you. And it's specifically referred to in the 
the, the discussion paper that Treasury released late last year about self-education expenses. And it, it says, um, when a student's undertaking a full fee-paying course a, using a Commonwealth loan, uh, a deduction's typically available when the course fees are incurred, but not when repayments are made. This is consistent mm -hmm. with the principle that expenses are deductible when they're incurred rather than paid. There's a recent case which, which shows, um, I guess, some of the um, some of the grayness in these areas on whether or not expenses are deductible or not, and the and the the, the tie to employment. It's an AAT case called Khan um, and the Commissioner of Taxation. So in this case, the taxpayer was an aircraft maintenance technician with Emirates and had been with them for about 12 years. During his employment, he made various requests for his employer um, to pay for certain training and asked for um, leave to do so, which um, were rejected. That's not good advertising for Emirates. <laughs> not on its own, no. Emirates terminated the, the taxpayer's employment on, on 1 September 2016 um, on the basis of gross misconduct. There was then uh, an unfair dismissal claim with Fair Work Commission and ultimately the matter was settled in November. What Mr. Khan also did was he enrolled in a number of training courses related to uh, very, like various things related to aircraft engineering. And those were incurred or a couple of days after the, the 1 September date. So one was in September, one was in November, and one was in February. Um, but they all happened after the employer uh, terminated the taxpayer's employment. The taxpayer went on then to actually uh, get a role with Etihad, so another big airline, as, a, as an aircraft um, engineer. So from a big picture perspective, this, this person's worked in um, aircraft engineering since 2004, perhaps until 2020 or 2021. And they had a break of employment in 2016. Um, case doesn't go into the details on the, the, the reasons for the, for the dismissal. And they incurred uh, costs relating to um, their technical field and subsequently got a job with a competitor airline in, 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 that, in that field, which mm -hmm. is the field they're in the whole time. Yeah, I'm very curious to hear what the outcome is, but I hope that he was able to tax deduct it because it sounds like a very legitimate self-education expense to me, a lot more legitimate than a lot of trips to Aspen and Hawaii. Yeah, so so the first point was discussed was, well, the, the employment was terminated on 1 September, but then there was proceedings about whether it was um, unfair or not, and potentially could have been reinstated. And ultimately that was settled in November. So firstly, well, the question was, well, was he still, could we rely on that November date for, for when the, the matter was settled or, or is it the one September date? Um, unfortunately the, the, for the taxpayer, the, the court firstly said that it, well, it was the earlier date. So we need to, we need to look at the principles based on that date. They, they determined to terminate his income and he's not, wouldn't be deriving any more income from um, from Emirates from from that date, regardless of what happened 
with the with the proceedings other than the court forcing them to pay some money for for unfair dismissal for example so you can see where i'm going with this um unfortunately for the taxpayer the 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 course fees were not deductible despite in a more general sense they would have most likely increased his employability and earning potential then demonstrated by the fact that he went and got another job uh, but if you're looking at the test on whether it's incurred and gaining or projecting accessible income essentially the time of the course fees being incurred was after emirates terminated his employment so for those dates on when they were incurred there was no accessible income or you know immediate accessible income at that time so unfortunately sort of fell between a rock and a hard place that it, perhaps if the expenditure was a year earlier it would have been okay because it would be relating to improving or maintaining his current skills for example um, or if you waited until the employment through eddie had again it probably would have been okay at that time as well but um you can see this sort of this sort of stuck in this limbo state in between yes. where where it really wasn't employed so it couldn't be skills to benefit his existing employment it, even the court said even if he was still technically employed the parties were in the process of that coming to an end so it's not going to um even if he was technically still an employee, it's not going to lead to future income from from Emirates because, well, they've already committed to to, to ending that relationship. So, um, yeah, it's quite unfortunate that that um, really there the, the, there's not a sufficient nexus between those course fees and and the deductibility um, just based on you sort of fell between the two situations. But do you know why the ATO flagged this? Was it quite high? Because I think that yeah, the the expenditure was around sixty thousand dollars. I think I see, and that's why they looked so into it. It was quite significant, yeah. And the sixty thousand was mainly course fees or mainly hotel and flights? I think it was mainly course fees. Um, wow, there was there was a number of different courses. Yeah, I think it was sort of in the fifty to sixty thousand dollar dollar range yeah. so yeah. that's why they would have picked it up yeah 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 so the budget last year actually so the 2021 budget flagged that the government would consult on allowing individuals to deduct education and training expenses in the absence of a relationship with their current employer so precisely this example and and other examples where that nexus is not sufficient so there's been a consultation paper released, which was released in December, and the consultation period is now closed. We haven't heard anything from government on whether any further steps or what those steps will be take um, that will be taken are. In the budget that was released in May, there was no mention of this other than that the $250 exclusion will be will be abolished going forward. And from when? From the 1st of July 2021? It's from the if, if legislation is um, no, will it be from when? Into, so it'll be um, one July twenty twenty two. If legislation's passed before that date, if legislation's not passed before that date, then it'll be the next income year. It'll basically be the income year after the legislation's passed. Yes. Okay. So it still may be a little bit of time before that actually filters through. 
Yes. Okay, good. So the $250 threshold is going, but there still has to be a, a close link to um, current income and increase of current income. Yeah. And reading through the consultation paper, it seems that the the acknowledgement is that, well, this current situation may not be completely fair. How do we change the rules without potentially allowing, you know, ski trips for Aspen for future jobs to be deductible, for example, or this 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 issue with the, the government supported loans being all deductible up front, um, or if it's a, you know, a Tony Robbins course or, a, or something that's, that's more sort of a personal nature rather than a reskilling, should that be deductible or not? So there's still quite a bit of detail to actually work through. And um, I imagine the rules are still going to have a bit of complexity in, to, in them when we, when we eventually, if and when we eventually do get new rules. I see. So the consultation paper basically just asked questions. It didn't already outline a, a draft set of rules. No, no, no. It was more, but yeah, I guess from, from those questions, you can see what the what the relevant issues are and what the relevant concerns are. Um, also, flagging the point that well, the deduction may not be actually worth much if if you're on low income. The deduction may be not worth much. And once sort of thought I had is well, maybe you could have it as a as a carry forward deduction that you could choose when you used it within some reasonable period. Um, let's say five years, for example. So you didn't have to use the deduction when you, you know, when you didn't have sufficient income, you could, you could actually choose when to use it. Now that's not discussed in the rule, in the consultation paper at all. It's just a thought bubble that I had about how we could design a system that, that, um, that deals properly with, with self-education expenses. When total income is, total assessable income is 50,000, a deduction of $500 for a course is not, worth much in one way but then again if you're on 50,000 a year then it is worth a lot you know it's all relative what is worth much and what isn't worth much it's almost more worse when you're on 50,000 because money is just so much more tight yeah it's a good point as well so it's it, it the, the rules are complex so the considerations are complex in designing some new rules seems that we're probably still a little while away from getting anything um solid that you can use so so really we're going to be stuck with the existing rules at least for this year probably next income year um maybe maybe from 1 july 2022 we, we may have something in place but um uh, i guess time will tell on that so that basically just means the only change at the moment is apart from the $250 abolishment, the main change is basically just this court case, Khan, which basically just showed that the current rules are even stricter than some of us thought. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have a really close uh, link between current income and the the outgoing. If it's, if, it's, if it's too much to do with future income, then it's not going to be allowable. Yes. And how do you spell Khan? K-H-A-N. Yeah. So so the, the latest update with self-education expenses is, unfortunately, there hasn't been a lot of change in this area. The $250 threshold for certain course fees will be abolished in the future. But other than that, we're stuck with the existing rules, which determine your deduction based on how close the course fees are to, to income. And this recent case of Khan demonstrates that a pretty strict approach can be taken with these things. So in, in quite a lot of cases, 
self-education expenses will not be deductible. Welcome back. So if the Khan case taught us two things, it is don't visit a course between jobs, but wait until you have started your new job and expect the ATO to come calling when you claim $60,000 in self-education expenses in one single year. Over the next four episodes, let's go back to farming. Let's do a short mini-series and look at farm succession planning. Then we spend two episodes on the Australian cannabis industry and how we as accountants can serve this emerging industry. And after that, Tara Kadihi of PwC in Brisbane will talk about structuring a farming business. So in the next episode, episode 295, Scott Patterson of Alternate Strategies will talk about farm succession planning. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.